Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, and we're here for part two of our prenatal diagnosis series. I'll put a link to part one below in the show notes, or you can scroll back just a bit on your podcast player to find prenatal diagnosis part one. And in part one, we talked about what a prenatal diagnosis is and how it can sometimes be presented to parents in a way that really pressures the parent into making a very quick decision without actually knowing all of their options. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that just to get the full background. And one thing we mentioned in that last episode was Option Line, which is a 24-7 pregnancy helpline. Option Line consultants are ready to take those initial calls for help from those facing pregnancy-related questions and then connects them with pregnancy help organizations nearby so that they can receive continuing care. Option Line is also helping to provide immediate assistance to parents who have just received news of prenatal diagnosis. And we'll talk about that and some other tools in just a moment. So let me bring in our episode guest. We have Nafisa Kennedy. She's our director of Option Line, uh, Cheney Mullins-Gooley, support manager for Her Plan, and Dr. Tara Sander-Lee, vice president and director of life sciences at the Charlotte Lozer Institute. So it's great to have you each with us. Uh, I'll give you a moment to give us a little bit more of your background and what led you to involvement in advocating for uh, issues surrounding prenatal diagnosis. And then Nafisa will kind of jump off into there and do our questions. Absolutely. So as Christine mentioned, I'm the director of Option Line here at Heartbeat International. Option Line is our 24-7, 365 pregnancy help hotline. And I've had the privilege of participating in the Option Line since 2006. So uh, that's 17 years now. So um, it's been my joy to work with Option Line for um, decades now, almost two decades. And in 2021, I believe, um, our leadership approached me about the possibility of participating in a prenatal diagnosis working group. And at that point, um, it was a meeting of just, uh, you know, five people, I think, uh, representing four different organizations in the pregnancy help movement. And uh, from the very beginning, I was so impressed by their expertise and experience serving families who have received a adverse prenatal diagnosis. Um, So it has been my privilege to work with the initiative for the last two years. And um, my role in the collaboration is really to um, ensure smooth operation of our hotline procedures. I'm Chaney Mullins-Gooley. It's so great to be with you all. I really got interested in this work through working for Dr. John Bruchowski, who was a former abortionist, and he had a miraculous conversion experience and is now a pro-life OBGYN. And he really introduced me to the world of loving both mom and baby and uh, perinatal hospice as a life-affirming answer to life-limiting diagnoses. And I was very passionate about the issue. And then I moved to Georgia when I started working for Her Plan, which is part of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. And when I was in Georgia, I had the pleasure of meeting Tracy from Be Not Afraid, who was part of this working group, and just learning more and hosting a luncheon with her and helping people who were providers in Georgia really gain knowledge and language around this issue so that it wasn't such a unspoken thing. Um, often women who 
are abortion-minded from a prenatal diagnosis don't necessarily fit our preconceived categories of what an abortion-minded woman looks like. Often her pregnancy was planned and wanted and is now all of a sudden um, in jeopardy. So it's very important to provide those women with resources. And her plan is all about resources and growing the pro-life safety net in our 29 states. So we were just so very honored to be a part of this working group and the prenatal diagnosis initiative. Hi, um, thank you so much. It is such an honor to be here. So I am a scientist by training. Um, I have over 20 years experience actually in basic science research and clinical medicine. And so my education includes a PhD in biochemistry um, from the Medical College of Wisconsin and then postdoctoral training at Harvard Medical School. And I've also held faculty appointments at Medical College of Wisconsin and Children's Hospital. And actually what really started to get, um, where I started to really gain an interest in prenatal diagnostic testing is that I actually served as scientific director of a molecular diagnostics lab at, at a children's hospital for almost a decade. And that's where I really began to understand um, just kind of the techniques involved and the concern and the major concerns that I had just around false positives and understanding better about how once a a family, uh, once a family determines that they have a pre, that they have the potential of having a baby with a prenatal diagnosis, such as like Down syndrome, that there's actually a really high risk of abortion. And so that really concerned me. I started to get more, um, and I started to educate people more on the, um, the concerns around prenatal diagnosis and, and fetal anomaly in general. And so I started then to, testify more on um, just educating policymakers. And that's where I became aware of the Charlotte Lozier Institute. And um, I stepped down from my director position at the Children's Hospital and then was 100% into the pro-life movement with Charlotte Lozier. And I've been doing that ever since 2019. And um, as you mentioned, um, I now serve as vice president and director of life sciences. And you know, this is just such a joy to work with um, this entire team and especially on this project, project with prenataldiagnosis.org because it's just, um, it fits so well with the purposes of Charlotte Lozier Institute, which is really to educate um, on the humanity of the unborn child and um, to really help people to understand just the precious life that each one of these ones is and to protect them as as, what, as best as we can through education um, and changing in policy. So thank you so much for having us. We're really excited. Wow. And this is exactly what I was talking about um, when I said the expertise on the prenatal diagnosis working group. Um, we have been gifted with such a talented and well-prepared group of people uh, to serve this initiative. And I am just so honored that uh, I have the opportunity to work side by side with these guys on this project. So um, both of you kind of touched on uh, areas of need, um, which for our listeners who may not have had a chance to listen to part one of the prenatal diagnosis series uh, on the Pregnancy Help podcast, um, and for anyone who may not have personal experience with a prenatal diagnosis, I was wondering if you guys could share a little bit about the areas of need for these families. Um, and Tara, I wonder if you might provide some insight as to the education about testing that may be needed for these families. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's really important for people to understand that uh, fetal anomalies and birth defects 
you know, even though they are rare, um, there is a, you know, they, they are one of the leading causes of death in the United States in the first year of life. So what the goal has been is to try to identify these birth defects as early as possible. And so there are many ways that that can happen. You know, that can happen, um, you know, just by ultrasound, um, you know, advances in diagnostic tools have just allowed more and more birth decks to be di diagnosed before birth. So that can include an ultrasound, fetal um, MRI, or genetic testing, depending on, and then with those different tools, it, it's not a bad thing to die, to try to identify these disorders as early as possible inside the womb using these advanced tools. Um, and, you know, I know in the previous segments, they they walk through how there are invasive also diagnostic tools like amniocentesis and chorionic villus sampling, which can be used to identify some genetic disorders. But then with the advancements in non-invasive prenatal testing, there are it's now kind of the whole field of prenatal diagnosis has exploded um, to try to identify as many prenatal uh, prenatal disorders. Uh, birth defects and, and fetal anomalies as early as possible. And again, that's not a bad thing, but what's happening is that parents, when they receive this news, A, it could be a false positive because a lot of these screens only determine a potential risk for carrying the disorder. But what's also important to understand is that once they um, a family has received a diagnosis, there's also a high chance that they are going to be pressured to abort. And so, for example, in the field of, um, you know, just screening for Down syndrome, we know that once a baby inside the womb is diagnosed with a risk for Down syndrome, that on average, that baby has nearly over a 70% chance of being aborted. And so, and this risk of being aborted is even higher for some, um, more life-limiting disorders such as like trisomy 13 or trisomy 18. And so that's just the fact that once these parents receive this news, it is very traumatic and they're trying to process all this information. And then on top of that, they are often being pressured to terminate that pregnancy. And often they don't have just the facts in hand. And so I just want to point out that even like when it comes to trisomy 13 and 18, they might be life limiting, but they're hardly lethal or incompatible with life. And so a lot what's really needed is to um, is for people to have a a life affirming resource for parents and families that are facing this prenatal diagnosis. So they know what their options are so that if they are pressured to abort, they know that that is definitely not the only option that they can carry this baby to term. And then in cases like even like trisomy 13 and 18, there are studies that show that some of these babies, if they receive the appropriate care after birth, they can, they can live life, you know, like sometimes as long as 10 years. In other cases, they've shown that with like uh, with correct cardiac interventions, they can live a median survival of up to 32 years. So I think sometimes parents just don't have the information that they need to really make the best decision for themselves and their baby. And so that's why we're so excited about this resource so that people can go, so that families can go you know, the, the understand better about what, the, what does it mean if you received a, a prenatal diagnosis? Um, what are some of the, um, and then what are some of your options then for the specific diagnosis that you received? Yeah. Thank you so much for 
explaining all of that, um, what I hear you saying is that some important needs uh, for these families are facts about testing. Uh, they need to understand their true options, all of their options, um, and really they need hope. They're presented often with only one option, uh, and it's the option they least desired for their pregnancies. We talk a lot in our working group about how these families wanted their pregnancy. They were planning nurseries. They were excited. Uh, their families know about the baby, and um, this is a different type of unexpected unplanned pregnancy news than we are used to dealing with in the wider pregnancy help movement. So what's seriously lacking for these families is a sense of hope. Um, and Cheney, your area of expertise is resources. You are all about the resources. Um, so what are some needs when it comes to resources for these families? So these families as was mentioned, are often facing the trauma of the diagnosis. Some families don't realize that uh, the diagnosis is really the trauma and the birth can be actually a healing, precious experience, regardless of the type or severity of the diagnosis. And so it is really a beautiful thing when you can come alongside the mom, when you can help her in her grief, because no matter what type of diagnosis she's facing, she's going to be experiencing grief. And often it's a disenfranchised grief, a grief that society doesn't acknowledge or understand. And then it's compounded by pressure a lot of times from the medical community to end a pregnancy when there really is no medical reason to do so, when, when the baby is perfectly fine inside of mom, exactly where it should be. And moms want to love on their children. They want to be with their sick children. In the cases of serious diagnoses, typically 80%, up to 80% usually abort, but when given the option of perinatal hospice, 80% choose life. And that's why it's extremely important to have care provision available for these families so that they can know there is another choice, even in the most serious diagnoses, and also in the disability diagnoses and the medical diagnoses. And even if they're not sure if it's really a diagnosis, but it was a positive screening test and they're trying to be prepared for whatever outcome might come their way. And so what we were trying to do with prenataldiagnosis.org is create one national resource where parents could go. It's designed for those parents in mind, and they can find information about the impact on them as a family, about diagnosis as a trauma, about sibling relationships, and find sibling resources to talk to other children, their other children. Um, we have national resources listed out by the type of diagnoses and then into the buckets of a disability support, a medical condition, or a life-limiting diagnosis that a family might be facing, or even a loss, even the pregnancy loss that might occur um, either via a stillbirth caused by the anomaly or a perinatal hospice. Um, birth where the baby is just treasured for as long as God gives that child and treasured in the arms of the family. There's often beautiful perinatal bereavement care that can be brought in like a cuddle cot to give them more time with their baby's body. There's beautiful um, footprints that can be made. 
So there's all these resources from diagnosis to delivery and beyond during their grief time. And we wanted to make one place that was easy to go for families to find that. And so we put featured support organizations towards the top and then just tried to include comprehensive lists of national resources on prenataldiagnosis.org. And then for ongoing local support, you can go to herplan.org where you can find the HerPlan directory and that can provide local resources, everything from a birth photographer to a bereavement doula and different additional support. So we wanted somewhere to go nationally and somewhere to go locally. And often the connector between those is the parent care coordinator, which is why we are so happy that Option Line has taken on this new expertise in prenatal diagnosis. Because if a family is visiting the website and they realize they actually need more support navigating the national and local resources, they can call a specialized number for a prenatal diagnosis hotline that Option Line now runs. And that is a powerful opportunity to find personalized support, to find somebody that can talk you through the basic information and navigation of the website, and then to refer you on to trained parent care coordinators, which I know we're going to talk more about. But I'm just so passionate about these families knowing that they are not alone, that you do not have to resort to abortion, that you do not have to resort to the colloquial terms of, you know, early induction or give in to the pressure from the medical community. There is support for you. You do not have to do this alone. Absolutely. And that's our heart too at Option Line. And we're so grateful to finally have the prenatal diagnosis hotline up and running. Um, the prenataldiagnosis.org website um, exists to meet several needs. Um, there, there are a number of gaps that exist that we were trying to fill with prenataldiagnosis.org. Uh, and so one of them was resources for these families. Uh, and an easy to find place um, because these resources have existed for a long time. There are many great organizations that offer fantastic help to families facing a diagnosis. And there's also some really valuable information coming from the medical community. But in most cases, these families have had to dig and dig and dig to find the resources and information they need. And when you're experiencing a trauma response, it's not easy to do that, right? And so you know, these families end up hopeless because they don't have the energy to do this search for help. So prenatal diagnosis really um, exists to fill those gaps. Uh, Tara, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit about how the website came together uh, from a content standpoint? So um, the website really came together, you know, in a joint collaboration of four major entities. So Heartbeat International, Her Plan, where Cheney resides, um, Be Not Afraid, and then the Charlotte Lozier Institute, which um, we also have access to a lot of expert scholars in the field of medicine and science. Um, so the idea was that we could all come together with our area of expertise. And, you know, after much deliberation, you know, we brought in experts and it, it was a I think it was about a couple of years in the making that we were able to just really discuss and explore what was going to be the best approach for families that were facing a really difficult decision and were and had just received some really difficult news. And so 
it, we know that it's important to provide information, but we didn't want it to be overwhelming either. I mean, I'm a scientist, so it's really easy for me to go deep into the weeds really fast. And so we really wanted this information to be approachable um, and so that people could feel like this was a safe place that they could dig as deep as they wanted to given where they were in their journey once they received this diagnosis. And so what we've worked really hard to do, um, like, for example, is from the minute that they received the diagnosis, we want them to understand what does this even mean that you received a, a, a positive prenatal, you know, prenatal result, diagnostic result. Um, so we walk them through just understanding a test result. What's the terminology that is often used and what does that mean? What are some potential limitations to the result that you, the test that was done and the result that you just received? So, you know, we even understand, we even try to get into some of the genetics at a very basic level so that if they received um, a diagnosis that is genetically related, that they understand that a little bit more. Um, we, and then we, we really want people to understand too, like you mentioned, Nafisa, just, you know, what are your options? And as you mentioned, we've, you know, we've done a lot of work on, on education so that people understand what options are. And in just one example, I mean, there is this whole exciting field of what's called, you know, pedal surgery or the perinatal revolution in which parents may receive news during a routine ultrasound scan that their baby or babies have a structural defect. And what's really exciting is that because of modern medicine and surgical advances, it's now possible for some of these babies to receive life-saving treatment while still inside their mother's womb. So for example, like spina bifida, this just within the last few decades, this whole area has really advanced so that now babies actually if they um if they are a candidate for this surgery, they will actually do better if they receive the surgery before birth rather than wait until after birth. And so we want parents to just be equipped with all of this information right up front. And, you know, like we said, we, we present it in a way that, um, you know, if you're ready for the information, it's there. If you need to just put a pause on it and then come back to it at a later time. And, you know, we want to provide that information so that parents really understand that if this is the diagnosis you receive, this is all the information that, um, that is available right now to help you through this journey. So um, hopefully that provides a little bit more information of kind of where we came from and where we're going with this. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, I, I think, just the beauty of the collaboration between all four organizations is we each had something unique to offer uh, when it came to the content. So we had multiple physicians uh, providing content we had uh, ethicists helping with this project. Uh, and then we had those who are regularly involved in client care, uh, both for families that have been impacted by a diagnosis and those of us from Option Line, uh, Petra Wellenmeyer and myself, who have had years of experience um, helping women who are facing unplanned pregnancy in general. So uh, we had just had such a great mix of uh, hands involved in creating that content. And Cheney, you were very involved in the vetting of organizations that are listed under our resources pages. Would you tell us a little bit about that vetting? 
Yes. So we wanted to see if we could find organizations that were both specific to a certain family's diagnosis and more general to various kinds of prenatal diagnoses that they might be facing. In fact, some families might not even realize that there are different kinds of prenatal diagnoses. And it doesn't just because they received a diagnosis does not mean that it's a death sentence for their child. And so really to be able to personalize the resources and to look through and see what we wanted to feature, featuring groups that were going to be life affirming like us and groups that were um, at the very least neutral on the subject of abortion that were going to really support families regardless of their situation. And then we just wanted to be comprehensive as well with our ongoing resources and support. We list books, we list articles, we have an entire abortion healing page. And um, many people may not know that there are two organizations entering Canaan and uh, Natty's Pond book where there is dedicated abortion healing resources for women that have chosen abortion after a prenatal diagnosis. And that is very important to be compassionate and healing and understanding um, to these situations and have that attitude of mercy and hope. And then, of course, we wanted to address adoption as well. I think that some families who face a prenatal diagnosis haven't really thought about adoption as a potential option. Um, there are many families that actually have requested to receive a special needs baby. They have a heart for that in their family. And it's a really beautiful thing if you don't have the capacity to care for your own child with special needs or a disability or a medical condition, even a life-limiting diagnosis, if you want someone else to uh, care for your child as they pass away, that is absolutely available. And so we really wanted to lay out um, whether it was abortion healing, whether it was the adoption option, whether it was support caring to term, just as you would in any difficult pregnancy, but with this specialization to the prenatal diagnosis family. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned something um about that heart of mercy. And by now I'm thinking we might have some listeners who are wondering how they can get involved. Um, this is not something that most of our pregnancy help organizations are going to encounter every single day. I believe the the statistic I heard was uh, around 28,000 families in the U.S. every year receive a prenatal uh, diagnosis. And so this isn't something that um, that we would see every day or be able to encounter every day. Um, so for those who are wondering how they might get involved, how they might walk with a parent through this journey, um, whether that's in a pregnancy center, a maternity home, or a church, how can our listeners support parents who are on this journey? Well, I would point them to the wonderful training from Be Not Afraid, one of our wonderful partners for prenataldiagnosis.org. Be Not Afraid has developed two different kinds of training depending on how you want to be involved. So you can actually take their peer volunteer training and peer support is beautiful. It often involves walking with families as a friend, as a mentor. Sometimes families can be matched with other families that faced a similar diagnosis. 
Um, it's very important to have peer ministries available across the nation. And increasingly in a post-COVID world, we're seeing that available virtually as well or through great Facebook support groups. Um, for example, Verity's Village has been wonderful peer support. Um, so it's just a beautiful thing that there's these peer ministries popping up and wanting to serve families. But certain organizations want to take that to the next level and actually hire an employee that is dedicated to caring for families regardless of the diagnoses. So some groups like Verity's Village are thinking of expanding into that and others will remain peer support organizations. And that is wonderful because we need all of us to be working together. The expertise of the parent care coordinator is really to coordinate all of the different services that a family might need. So you're wanting to be talking to the hospital. You're going to want to talk to different surgeons if medical treatment is an option. You're going to want to arrange care for the family's other children or help arrange travel if there's extended family that wants to come into town for the birth, if this is maybe the only opportunity they get to meet this child. There is a lot of specialization among the parent care coordinators, and they have to be familiar with all the different types of diagnoses. And so there is an extensive training process available for Be Not Afraid. And many pregnancy centers, as well as peer support organizations, or even churches could step up and say they want to hire a parent care coordinator. You do not have to be a medical professional, although, of course, Tracy has trained many wonderful nurses, but that's not required. And for parent care coordinators, really, you just have to have that heart to serve families in this certain situation. You can do so virtually. Typically, a parent care coordinator is going to cover a couple of different states in their region as we build out this care support network across the country. And so um, we're hoping that through the hotline and through other connections and partnerships like Sidewalk Advocates for Life, you will be receiving referrals for these women. And of course, there are pregnancy clinics that do occasionally see women with these kinds of prenatal diagnoses. And to know that they can send them to you for ongoing care and support is really a beautiful answer to the call for this particular child for this particular need within our beautiful and broad pro-life movement. So I really encourage people, whether it's that introduction peer training, or maybe you just want to take that to be more informed about this issue and informed consent and the different testing. Um, and I really encourage you to do that because a lot of people are unfamiliar with this issue and you never know when you might encounter someone who is facing this. In fact, when we were doing the project of the website, my own family had a prenatal diagnosis for my nephew of cleft lip and palate. And so we were able to really see firsthand what it's like to go through the difficulty of that, even though we knew there was treatment available. And it really just gives you a heart for these families going through even more serious difficulties. And regardless of the diagnosis, I saw firsthand how traumatic it can be. And I was so uh, honored that my sister-in-law included the story of my nephew in prenataldiagnosis.org. And there are many stories featured of personal families and their own journeys of the beauty and the pain. And I would say, bring your tissues because reading these stories is certainly an inspiration and emotional. Thanks, Cheney. 
As we often say at Heartbeat, the best alternative to abortion is another person. And that's really what we're trying to do with this prenatal diagnosis initiative. Um, and I would add that any of our listeners who maybe aren't associated with a pregnancy help organization, um, if you have somebody in your periphery who is facing a diagnosis like Cheney's sister was, offer them the prenataldiagnosis.org website. Another person that is just waiting to help. Thank you all for listening. I'm going to turn it back over to Christine now to wrap us up. Yeah, thank you all so much. You know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm looking at prenataldiagnosis.org on the website, and it's such a beautifully designed website. I mean, it just brings so much peace to it, honestly, as right on the homepage, it just says, if you have received a prenatal diagnosis, you are not alone. There is help. And then right below on the page uh, is the chat box for option line, which I think is so cool that if somebody is visiting this, they just received news, maybe they Googled something and brought them to this website, they can immediately talk to somebody. So I'm so appreciative of all of you who have had a hand in creating this. I think it's such a valuable tool. Um, and I hope that all of our pregnancy help organizations listening are familiarizing themselves with it and what's available uh, so that they can walk through this with parents um, and just help them to know that they have options and they can just take a deep breath and slow down and think about how they can best care for their family and their child. So big thank you to everyone who had a hand in this. Um, so this is our wrap up for the prenatal diagnosis series. Again, listen to part one. If you haven't, it just provides more background. Uh, there's links in those show notes and I'll put some links in the show notes for this episode as well, uh, just to help you reach out even more, look for more resources. And uh, so be sure to subscribe and we'll keep you posted on updates on this project, on all of the projects that we're working on here on Heartbeat. So we can, uh, of course, advance the pregnancy help movement worldwide. So thank you all for listening and have a very blessed rest of your day.